Welcome to Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is Paul Madad. I hope everybody's having a great day. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. Uh, really jacked up for this episode. I'm having a lot of fun with these podcasts, um, but I'm really um, excited about this one because I have uh, one of my most favorite people in the world on the session today, and that is Christina Curtis, President and Managing Director at Ignite Performance. Christina! Hi, how good th- to be here. How are things? Excellent. Couldn't be better. Good. Looking at it, a snowy day in Denver. Life is good. Good, good. Listen, I, we, we were supposed to do this live in person when you were in town, and it didn't happen, but uh, I'm so glad that we're able to uh, reconnect this way. You've been well? I've been great, yeah. Good. Life is good. good. Life is treating me very well. How are things in Denver? Denver was 73 degrees. Uh, yesterday and is now snowy, so it's um, it's always eventful. It's seventy three. Oh, you don't speak Fahrenheit. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm down it in was, the states all the time. I can speak Fahrenheit. It was like twenty degrees, and now it's now it's like minus twenty. So you know we're living on the edge in Denver. You right. never know what you're gonna get. Right. Good. Good. Well, listen. Gr- great to speak with you again. Hope all is well. Uh, you know, the, the the title of the podcast, as we were talking about, you know, leading up to me hitting record on this, is Your Intention Matters, and that really stems from uh, everything comes from within in terms of your mindset, that, you know, nothing is given, uh, there's no handouts, and you can be armed with uh, a ton of different skill sets and tools and access to collaterals and training and so forth, but if you don't have the right mindset and if you don't have the right intention, the status quo usually doesn't change. Nothing is really different. And and I wanted to invite you on um, because we've known each other for years uh, mm. and your career is one that um, fascinates me uh, and you've been able to uh, do a number of different things. And so I wanted to start with, um, for those that don't know you, um, just do a quick intro in terms of who you are and what you're up to these days, and then we'll get into your story because it's a, it's a pretty cool one. Sure, sure. My background is in organizational psychology, and I took that degree and put it to use by being a business coach and leadership consultant. So I run a firm in Denver, Colorado. I've got a few people that work with me that are consultants as well. And we go out and help leaders drive high performance for their teams and for themselves. Uh, and I also write. I write for Harvard Business Review and Psychology Today and Forbes, all around goals and motivation and mindset. And how long have you been doing this under Ignite? When did you, uh, when did you start this? 14 years ago. Four- 14 years ago. Really? Yes. Yeah, because I started before I left, right? Uh, Xerox. Look at you double dipping. <laughs> I was building a bridge out of the company before I actually left the company. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay, so Christina, let's go back to um, to your mindset, and uh, I want to I want to speak to you about your career. But let's start with, uh, what's your why? What gets you fired up? What what gets you up in the morning? And why do you do what you do uh, in the manner that you do it? Great question. Great question. I find like my fire. Uh, I'm very, as you'll know, very action-oriented. So I wake up and am very clear on what I want to tackle that day or that week or that month or right now that year as we look ahead at 2020. And 
And my why really comes back to uh, my husband and I sitting down and thinking through, what do we want out of this life? And Paul, I know you know this part of it, but I have a son who struggled a lot with health conditions. He was born 12 years ago and has been in and out of the hospital, and, um, and we've almost lost him three times. So for me, I got clear really in a very powerful way that this is your one shot. This is your one shot. I say that to my clients all the time. And what do you want to make of it? And if you took away all the fear and inhibitions and roadblocks in your way and you looked ahead at where you want to go, uh, what would it look like? And so I, I get very excited about creating that opportunity for people. It's like if you float up from where you are now and you look at your current state and where you want to go, uh, what is that journey going to be, right? And, yeah. and how do you make it fun, more importantly, so that you're not waking up every day looking at your week and saying, oh, God. I got to go through that. I like people to wake up and look at their week and say, yeah, let's take this on. And that takes a ton of intention and um, takes a ton of intention. So my fire is all about that. And so did I hear you right? Did you say Preston is 12? He was just born. He's 12 years old and he's crushing life. Yeah. So he's 12 now and thriving. And uh, and we've got little Samantha who's 10. So life is busy, right? Yeah. And if you're going to be out working, I always say to my clients, what's the highest return on that hour you're spending in that wherever you may be? Um, so let's get really clear and intentional about how we use our time and what we make it mean. Well, that's incredible. And so let's go back into when you first got started, because I know that your background is in psychology uh, mm -hmm. and you, you have a psychology degree from Queens. You went over to the UK and, and got your master's, if I remember correctly, over yeah. at the University of London. So how, how do you how do you convert that into a, a, a career in sales? How did you, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the path forward isn't always a straight line. I graduated in psychology and I thought, gosh, what am I going to do with this? And I always had this vision, I had a really clear vision uh, from the age of 20 onwards that I was going to run my own company, work four days a week, make tons of money, and someday live by the ocean in this lovely house. I had this whole vision. And, uh, and then I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's a great idea. How the heck am I going to make that happen? So I, uh, with a psychology degree, I decided that at the time coaching was not really a thing. There was no um, coaching jobs available in the want, uh, help wanted ads. So I went into training. And Xerox had the best training ground around. And for me, that meant uh, a great place to start. And it turned out at Xerox, in order to train, you have to sell first, Paul. So I had to carry a bag. I know all too well. Yeah, that's, that's right. So I went into Xerox, and uh, in the first two weeks, I met David McBride, who ran the sales training program. And I sat him down, and I said, listen, I got this house by the ocean that I got to get to. And I know I want to love my work, so I want to train. Tell me how to do what you're doing and run the company, uh, run the training company. And he said, well, you got to sell, so go out and be successful. And so that's what led me down the road of selling for Xerox. Do you remember when we first met? It's okay if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I spent so much time with you over the years. When was the first time we met? Yeah. So the first when? time that we met was at, a, uh, was at a sales kickoff at Xerox in uh, early 2006. I had just transferred from from DBS oh God, into the uh, national sales instructor role. And we were at yeah. a direct kickoff and it was Lana Varan who introduced us. 
That's right. Because but you know what? I knew you before that because you were a rock star salesperson. So when you were at DBS, I actually knew of you. Oh, is that right? You were you were a little bit famous. Oh, you're so kind, so kind. It's true. That yeah, was not when yeah. we first. It might have been when we first made eye contact, but I knew of you before that. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And so let, let's talk about your career at Xerox because you were there for how many years? I want to say eight was or eight? nine. Okay, and a, and a number of different roles: direct sales, and then obviously on the L and D side. And then you actually ran one of the L&D divisions uh, for a while mm. as well. And so uh, what was your favorite job uh, when you were at Xerox of all your roles there? Hmm. There's favorite and then there's most growth. And most growth was my first year in sales where you have to go out every day mm-hmm. and figure out where you're going to generate sales. That was like I mean, I worked hard in university and I worked hard at my first job, but that was like, oh my gosh, looking at a 32-story building, how am I going to sell a copier in there, right? Like that's like a mind shift in itself. And then hitting that first layer of resistance and the second layer of resistance and the third layer of resistance and still having to chase after it. That was, uh, my first year was probably my biggest growth moment. Favorite roles was the end. So uh, halfway through, I was training I was doing actually in-field training, so I would travel with salespeople, and then I eventually traveled with sales managers and, and worked more with them. But I thought, I'm going to start a coaching business internally at Xerox. And uh, that was my favorite job because it was making something out of nothing, and I love creating. And I remember sitting with my boss at the time, and, and the feedback was, hey, listen, that's, that's probably not going to happen, but, uh, but go for it. And I went for it. And I went out and got coaching certified. Uh, actually, I ended up getting master coach certified. So only 1% of coaches are master coach certified. And I went after that. And, um, and I started using the tools that I'd learned internally and then pitched uh, to the person at the time who was running the L&D program, hey, can I give it a shot? And I gave it a shot. And I got to work with VPs and I got to travel across the country coaching executives. And that was my sweet spot. That was my favorite role at Xerox. Uh, and I worked, as I was saying, I was double dipping. Maybe I shouldn't say that in public now. I don't know if that was allowed at the time, but I was working with Olympic athletes outside of Xerox. I got really interested in high performance sports. No way. So I would work I didn't with, know that. yeah. Yeah, I was coaching Olympic athletes outside. And then I started coaching uh, small business owners because I love that fire, right? I love that energy of waking up and saying, my destiny depends on me. What am I going to do today? Nobody else is bringing it to my door. Uh, so how do I create it? So I did that. And then, uh, as you know, eventually I jumped out and ran my own shop full time. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that because um, I want to talk to you about your decision to leave because I think that there's a lot of people listening who are very similar where they, mm-hmm. you know, you know when, I, when I do my training sessions to set this up, I usually will get into um, who wants to be successful and I never really have a dialogue around how people measure success because that's very internal. There's people in the world who would say until I reach a, a Zuckerberg uh, you know, type of wealth and fame and abundance and Bill Gates type of status, I'm not truly successful. There's other people who would say, well, I don't know if I need all of that as long as I'm putting in a good day's work and effort and I'm making a difference and if I have a family, I'm providing for my family maybe even better than my parents did for me and of course all points in between so I never really have a conversation about how you measure success but rather what's required of you and when I talk about the 80-20 rule in that 80% of the business is generated by 20% of the salespeople 
I will always ask, well, who wants to be a part of the top 20% plus? And of course, every hand goes up. And mm -hmm. every hand goes up for a couple of reasons. Either one, they, they really do want to be a part of that. Or two, they just assume every other hand goes up. So they don't want to be the odd person out. But every hand will right. go up. And so yet there's a reason why uh, something like the 80-20 rule exists. And it's because not everybody gets what they say they want. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm fascinated about your decision to leave Xerox because uh, you, you're working for a, a well-known organization um, good market share. You've established yourself uh, with a lot of credibility. You, you succeeded in every role that you were in within the company. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't as if you were on the verge of being packaged or, uh, um, you know, boxed out of something. It was no, no, there's a clear path here. And you're married, you're a mom, and you're balancing yeah. a career and you decide, I'm going to go start my own business. Yeah, like that could not have been an overnight decision. So talk to me about, um, you know, what drove you to do that and uh, what you were thinking at the time and how you feel about it now. Yeah, it wasn't an overnight decision, though. It was a split second choice. So the as I mentioned, I'd had this vision and now I do a lot of uh, studying in neuroscience. And now what I know more about that is I'd anchored, I'd created an anchor and the tension between myself and that future anchor every day woke me up and propelled me to do things, uh, moving myself in that direction. And like starting to coach Olympic athletes as an example, and then small business owners and getting my education that I needed to run my own shop. And then I was up in Niagara Falls and we were working with 150 small business owners that were agency owners. And I got a call from my son's doctor and they said, Hey, you got to come in tomorrow. Results aren't good. We need you here. And I remember looking up and saying, oh, it's, it's now. now. Now is when I need to leave. It was like as clear as day to me. My husband and I hadn't talked about it. My family and I hadn't talked about it. We had to pay our bills. We owned a house. Mm -hmm. And I was just really clear that I couldn't be in two places at once. I couldn't be at the doctor's appointment next day and still be with these 150 small business owners. And Xerox was amazing with flexibility, so they would have figured it out. But it was like someone said, Christina, the door is right here. It's time now. Let's go. Go create what you want. Go do what you were trying to do and, and be, a, be exactly what I wanted to do, which was work uh, four days a week, make a lot more money and have a lot more fun. So I walked up to my boss at the time, who was just an amazing uh, leader, and I said, hey, Mike, it's now. Here's my laptop. And he just looked at me and he said, what do you mean? Take it home for the weekend. I was like, no, no. If I take it home, I might, I might come back. Right. I actually have to go now. And I got in the car and I called my husband and I was shaking and I said, I think I just quit my job. <laughs> so he said, okay, can you call me next time we make a major decision? And then he started laughing. And I mean, that was it. I spent a couple months with my kiddo who needed me there and um, set his life up in the best way I could because it's my number one priority. And then I just started running at this idea of having my own business. And again, that future anchor really pulled me and propelled me forward because it can take a lot of, it's a lot, there's a lot of self-doubt, right? You wake up and you say, I don't know if I can do this or who the heck do I think I am? Or I'm actually good enough. Like, am I, am I going to be able to do anything worth, worth talking about or that people pay for? And even my father, who I love and adore, uh, because he was 
he ran a sales organization. So when I left sales and did this, he said, like, Christina, people are not going to pay you for this. Or Thanks, right? he's like, this is this is not a thing. Um, executive coaching, leadership development. That's just that's just not a thing. And uh, at the time, the president of Xerox met with me and said, hey, listen, doors always open. Uh, what can we do? And I said, I, I want to work less and earn more. And he said, well, that's a pipe dream. I just, I'll never forget that day. He's a dear friend now. Uh, but I, but I make five times more and I work, I don't know, half the time and I'm having way more fun. And it was really that intention around what I wanted to create for myself and my family, um, that you wake up and you say, gosh, I don't think I could do this, but I'm going to write for Harvard business review. Let's do that and put that intention out there. And I tried and six times later it got in, I worked really hard at it or, I want to be a writer for Forbes. Well, that's crazy, Christina. Okay, but let's do it. So what would that take, right? Let's wake up and do this. So I think the people who get what they want um, from my client base are the ones who are willing to put in the work and create the intention around it and and choose the highest possible return activities to get them there. Like at Xerox, when I was selling, I'll never forget, you can do brochures and you can set your calendar up and you can drive around. None of those are going to get you the sale. You got to pick up the phone, book a meeting and get in in front of your customer. Yeah. That is the highest return activity, but it takes way more courage than putting together a PowerPoint deck. Believe me, I know that. And uh, right? so what you say is, is absolutely spot on. And so you left Xerox in, was this back in 10 and 11? When, when was this? That time frame, yeah. Yeah, in, that, been, in right? that time so frame. Two, and so not only did you, <laughs> not only did you leave Xerox, I think. And and start your own business and um, uh, and I, I fully respect your decision uh, specific to your family and making sure mm-hmm. that hey wait a second that's the priority I have a passion for something else that I want to do so how do I make this work but then you not only have that but you also had a had a pretty big move in there as well I did and not even yeah. just a move but you moved <laughs> countries so yeah talk to me about the decision to move from Toronto to Denver. Yeah, I'll tell you, when someone says to you, hey, when you have a life-threatening choice in life, when you, or a moment in life, it changes everything, right? It changes everything. So this whole concept of one shot, uh, my husband ended up getting a, a call, might have been like six months after I quit or a year after I quit, that said, hey, do you want to come work in Denver? And he called me, and again, uh, the, the anchor was there the ocean, the ocean was in the US. I didn't know that. I had the vision that that could be where it's leading me. So he called me and he said, Hey, I just got this job offer. That's kind of crazy. Right. And I was like, great. So let's do it. And it was in the split second decision because I knew, I just knew, man, I just knew what I wanted to create. And the US is a whole big market for what I do. And they had uh, a great opportunity for him. So we moved to Denver. Um, in 2011. So yeah, I must have quit in 2010. And then we came back to Canada in 2014 and then came back. We move around a lot, but um, <laughs> we're we're now settled. Yeah. My kid says, I don't want to move my Lego set one more time, mom. I'm like, I got it, kiddo. Got it. We won't, well, we won't and, and the great thing start. about it is that you're, you're doing what you love and you can, you're able to do it where you're from yeah. or where you're able to hang your hat right now, which is pretty cool. You know, as you were sharing that story about Steve, I uh, I couldn't help but uh, pick up the the difference was that um, you went ahead and quit Xerox and then told yeah. him, but he at least called you in advance to say, "Hey, I got an <laughs> offer first. What do you think?" 
<laughs> Isn't that true? You know, he ended up leaving his job. We and what did we do after all of that moment of, hey, what do we want in life? Uh, we wrote it out. I actually should tell you this story because this is back to intention because I have it here and we now do it every quarter. We wrote out what we wanted and what our ideal future would look like. And what we know about that is by writing it out, not only are you 42% more likely to get it, but actually your brain uh, logs it as a memory. So it's a future memory, which is so cool because then you visualize it and it actually pulls you towards it. It's like an inevitable outcome. Uh, And we changed our language around it from I'm going to try to, to I will, or I'm already on the path to. So we did a whole bunch of different practices. But when we look back at our list from uh, 2009 of what we wanted uh, to create in our lives, we have everything right down to the ping pong table and the games room. It's like, and we didn't even look at that list until last year, but we pulled it back out because of course your goals evolve quarter to quarter, but we pulled it back out and I'm like, oh my gosh, Steve, the only thing different here is we're earning more money than we thought because we we passed what we thought was possible, but that was so cool. Down to the ping pong table, Paul. I love it. Are, are you any good at ping pong? Darn straight. Take you on. <laughs> Come on down for a game. My son is actually the best of the family. Is he? Yeah. But it's just fun, right? I, yeah. I find uh, it's important to have fun with your life. Yeah. It's important to have fun with your life. That's what I believe um, strongly. So in, as a leadership consultant, what I do is I help people determine what they want and go after it and uh, and you're, use neuroscience to, to find the best path forward. And so what type of clients are you working with now in any particular vertical or scope or who are you working with? What are you up to these days? Yeah, we support uh, usually large organizations and their executive teams, uh, clients like Google or KPMG or uh, Nike or DaVita or Union Pacific uh, Lockheed Martin space, so larger companies. And then we actually go in, meet with the executive team. I do executive one-on-one coaching or I'll do team dynamics training. So it could be, how do we get your team to be a high performance team? So, uh, large companies usually at the executive level. Well, that, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, Christina, we've known each other for years. As I said, I'm, I'm fascinated by your career. I'm so thankful for our friendship and our, and our relationship together. Uh, you, Last question I have for you, if you touched on it a little bit, but if, if anybody listening, if you had a suggestion or advice for anybody uh, as it relates to what they're up to in their career, um, any takeaway, uh, if you had one thing to say to them? For me, it comes back to self-doubt and overcoming it. I The one consistent element that we all have going on is this part of our default brain where we're consciously and unconsciously comparing ourselves to others or worried about whether we'll succeed or worried about mistakes we'll make. And what we now know about the brain is when you go into a place of rest, that default brain kicks on automatically and just starts fretting, right? It's like a monkey flying from tree to tree. They just move from one worry to the other. I feel it every morning when I wake up at five and and start my day. Uh, It is just a default neurological hardwiring reaction. Do not pay attention to it. Do not feed it. Do not sit around and dwell in it. It will hold you back and uh, won't let you live to your true potential. And so uh, they did a lot of research around, for instance, Olympic athletes, people who made the team and those that tried out and didn't. And the one common denominator with those who made it was positive self-talk. So uh, that doesn't mean you have to be 
like Stuart Smiley, for those of you who are old enough, looking in the mirror and saying, <laughs> I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me, but, but we are our own worst critics, and sometimes it's worth working on how to turn the volume down on that so you can, uh, you can play full out, fall on your face, get back up, play full out again, and keep evolving. Well, Christina, thanks so much for, uh, for joining me today. It's great to reconnect with you. Um, we're going to wrap this one up right now. Uh, everybody listening, remember that your intention matters because that's the result that you tend to get. We're out of here. Thanks for uh, joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week. Go Leafs and go Raptors.